0: Good morning beautiful people, welcome to my channel. Thank you for your likes, share, subscribes. Now I am beginning the Rahu Ketu study series. The axis of Rahu Ketu, how it plays out in each and single one of the zodiac signs going by Nakshatra, going by Pada. So if you don't know what the Pada is, you will have to go through the 27 Nakshatra playlist. I will be covering it in the series also, just like a recap, but the details are before. If you want to know what exaltation and debilitation is there, even that is covered in my earlier videos. So, The importance of understanding the Rahu and Ketu in our charts is to understand the polarization of duality as it plays in our lives. It's very crucial to understand, <clears throat> although it is not be-all and end-all of things. Okay, This is not the ultimate anything but this is one of very important factors. And we shall start seeing that one by one, okay? Some parts of this video, I will leave it for each and every one because people bump into different videos at different times. And we will cover this by house, we will cover this the importance, we'll cover this from the classical Sanskrit Vedic texts understanding, how it plays out in the modern understanding and how you can self-evaluate your own chart to see where this Rahu Ketu axis is playing out. It's on always on opposite sides. Rahu Ketu are 180 degrees apart. So we will analyze this. And we will analyze this of how it benefits or debilitates or gives you a propensity for or against anything in your life. Okay, It's going to be very interesting once you get into the analytics of it. Okay. So take care, be safe, keep watching, I'll come to the presentation parts, and each one of these presentations is going to be similar in pattern, so it's like a study, literally, this is more like a virtual classroom, and this way you can figure out what to focus on in your chart, so it'll be easier to grasp, this is easier to understand, easier to evaluate, ah, this is where my focus is going and this is how it is playing out in my life, okay. So let's get into it. Take care, be safe. So number one, the classical characteristics of Rahu and Ketu as described by the classical Vedic literature. Okay, What is Rahu and Ketu? These are the north and the south nodes of the moon found by the virtual points which are the intersection points between orbit of the moon around the earth and orbit of the earth around the sun. So basically, if you take two eclipses, ellipses, it will form two intersection points. yeah. So these two intersection points are called the north node and the south node. They are virtual nodes although they behave like planets and we shall see why in a minute. So who is Rahu? The symbols are there like a horseshoe and the reverse horseshoe. right? This is typically how it is portrayed in Western astrology. So I am using the same symbol here. Rahu is mythologically depicted as the severed head of a demon, symbolizing constant, endless, insatiable hunger and appetite, be it sensual or physical, yet it is unable to hold on to or grasp it. Rahu is the one who constantly wants something. Think of it as a live head only, not the body. Okay. Okay. So it can't hold on to anything or be satisfied even if it gets that thing, since it has no arms or body or stomach, just a head which is alive. This gives Rahu the title of Bhogakaraka or meaning one who is after sensory materialistic pursuits. So think any earth sign, for example, they want sensory materialistic pursuits. Or think any of the signs literally, whatever they are after, Rahu wants that. And wants that very badly and goes after it with everything. This is an energy in us by the way it is not a planet it's a virtual node but it will behave like a planet which we shall see why. So it is unable to satisfy that hunger or hold on to anything even though it gets something. It wants to move on to the next and then to the next and then to the next. This is why Varahu is also called as the guy who wants foreign things not of the native land or not of what the person is natively born in. Why? Because of that insatiable hunger. There is always insatiable hunger to go after one thing after the another without being able to hold on to it. That's Rahu. Ketu, on the other hand, is mythologically depicted as the severe body, the remaining half of the demon, symbolizing constant and less insatiable search for identity. It is looking for the head but it doesn't have a head, so it is looking for that identity, everybody's identity, ego is centered in the head, what you look like, right? It is also seeking for true purpose, sense of self, as a result of this, it tries to hold and grab onto everything that it can find its hands on because it has got hands. Ketu has got hands. It's trying to hold on to everything. But it releases immediately because it knows that's not the head. It's like trying to grasp onto everything, thinking, oh I want this or I am this, I am that, I am this. Not getting any identity because it's not finding the head there. Since it has arms and walks everywhere, it goes around through life, walking from place to place, people, situation, circumstances, but not knowing who or what it is. It doesn't have a head. This is why Ketu is referred to as Mokshakaraka or the seeker's path, the one energy in us which seeks something. That's why Ketu is called the moksha-karaka. Now this is the classical interpretation, okay? Now we shall see how this plays out in the modern interpretation. Very important to connect the bridges. Now here you have the Rahu Ketu general characteristics as modern interpretation. This I have borrowed from the book Light on Life by Robert who is an excellent book. I have put it in the community tab if you want to go through it or purchase it and read it. I seriously suggest that. Okay, the North Node of the Moon, Rahu. What does it become? Because of the characteristics which classically is told in the texts. What does Rahu lead to in the modern context? Rahu is responsible for originality, individuality, independence, insight, ingenuity, inspiration and imagination on the positive side. Because Rahu and Ketu both love to explore foreign stuff, things out of the box, things not taught by tradition, Rahu and Ketu will be anything but traditional. Okay. Think of it as something foreign to the culture, to the way you are taught things, looking for original stuff. If there is one singular force that is responsible for creating everything that keep modernizing, so to speak, thinking out of the box, it is this. That's why it's important to pay attention to this. Okay, back to this. So Rahu on the downside, becomes leads to confusion, escapism, neurosis, psychosis, deception, Addiction, vagueness, illusion, and del- delusion. This is the downside. Now, how this plays out and why we we'll have to see individually in the charts, which, which we shall see that. Okay, Ketu. Ketu, the guy with only the body, no head there, is gives us the feeling of universality, impressionability, idealism, intuition, compassion, spirituality, self-sacrifice, subtleness. On the positive side. On the downside, it can lead to eccentricity, fanaticism, explosiveness, violence, unconventionality, amorality, iconoclasm, impulsiveness and emotional tensions. This is on the downside. This is what it plays out and Rahu Ketu is typically an axis like it is shown over there. Right? Rahu Ketu. Let me remove myself for the time being from that axis. Okay. There you are. So you see it as an axis okay 180 degrees apart and it can play out in any one of the opposite houses it can play out in 172839410 etc etc we will see that later but this axis becomes a definition point of where in your life in your different houses are you looking for these two aspects and they are always opposite to each other as you can see okay to stand opposite to each other so if it plays out in second house It detaches itself from the 8th house. If Rahu is in 2nd house, Ketu will be in the 8th house. You see what I mean? And so you will bring the 8th house aspect with these aspects shown here. 2nd house with that aspect shown over there. Of course, it plays out with something called as dispositors. We shall see that next. Now, if you go to a traditional Vedic astrology, they will go on and on endlessly about dispositors. What the hell is a dispositor? It's an invented term by the Vedic astrologers. it has no meaning of its own, it shows the disposition and what's the story on this? Rahu and Ketu both are enemies of the sun and the moon. This is the basic principle. So it has the solar aspect and the lunar aspect. The solar aspect is called the dispositor and the lunar aspect is the nakshatra, which gives the entire characteristics and the ball game of Rahu and Ketu. Okay? The solar or the dispositor means, since Rahu and Ketu are enemies with the sun and do not have a full identity of their own. Remember, it's a virtual node. It is not a planet. They both do not have any planetary characteristic individually. So they take on the identity or the disposition of the lord of the zodiac sign that they sit in and borrow the attributes of the house from which that Lord sits in. Suppose Mercury is in the third house okay, and Rahu sits in the house of Mercury somewhere else. So it will borrow the attributes of Mercury sitting in that third house and bring it to that particular house wherever Rahu is sitting in. Got it? Nakshatras. Since Rahu and Ketu are enemies with the moon and do not have a full identity of their own, individually, they take on the shade of personality. Nakshatra is essentially a shade of personality. It's coloring of a personality. It's seeing the world through different colored glasses. That they sit in and borrow the Nakshatra traits and attributes which color their propensities. So Rahu and Ketu do two things at the same time. At the solar level, it goes with the dispositor, that is all of the planets, physical planets, Mercury, Mars, Venus, Sun, Moon so on. So they take on the attributes of whichever house they are sitting. If it sits in Rahu, sits in Cancer, it'll you have to look for where moon is sitting, which house and what it is doing there. And even the moon nakshatra. If it is sitting in Leo, Rahu in Leo, that means it'll, you have to look for where sun is sitting and which nakshatra and which house. So it will bring those attributes. That's the way you have to analyze this. Okay. Let's see some aspects of which house they play in and why. Now, there are some vital aspects that you keep, need to keep in mind when evaluating Rahu and Ketu because this is important, for, especially for people who are sort of looking for self-development to understand where they are coming from. If you are not interested in changing yourself, this entire channel is useless for you. But if you are the one who is interested in knowing what is happening in my life, where do I need to go, what are my talents, and you question these kinds of things, excuse the noise somebody is drilling about, so... Then you need to understand these aspects. Now that's the typical chart, Indian chart. And house numbers are depicted as 1, 2, 3, 4, up till 12. Dharma, Artha, Kama, Moksha is there. And I have stuck Rahu, Ketu as possible axis on the 1, 7. That is Aries and Libra. That is the top and the bottom. So either it can go to house number 1 or 7. Rahu, Ketu can be reversed. It's okay. It doesn't matter. Or in 4 and 10. Now 1, 4, 7 and 10 in Vedic Astrology are given very vital importance because they are the foundational aspects that define who you are, that define how you operate in life, throughout life. So these become crucial. Why? The 1, 7 axis effects, if Rahu and Ketu fall on there, has a direct effect on your self and other concept. 1 and 7 is self and other. How you re- relate to yourself and how you relate look at the world around you as others. Including the spouse because seventh house is the house of the spouse, but also others. So how you develop through life and how you develop a relationship with others. So it defines who you are in a very broad sense. One seven axis of Rahu Ketu. The full pen, on the other hand, fourth house being the house of the mother, tenth being father, fourth being home, tenth being career. You see, this has a you know all kinds of implications which define who you are. The 410 axis has effects on the heart versus mind. Mind wants to, is the one who goes out there in the world and being used in the carrier, right? You dissipate your energy as the mind in the external world. Heart is your home, your home center where you feel comfortable. Home is where the heart is, that kind of a thing. So, heart and home is affected by this Rahu-Ketu axis. Again, Rahu and Ketu might be reversed. Rahu might be in the 4th, Ketu might be in the 10th or vice versa. Same way with 1 and 7. But these are the vital relating aspects of Rahu and Ketu. Now, what about the rest of the houses? Now, rest of the houses are called Trikona or Kona in Sanskrit, right? These are the things that come and go in your life. Let it be 2nd house, 3rd house, 5th house, 6th, 8th. 9th 11th 12th these are the things that come and go in our life through life through your entire life these are things that are added into subtracted from us but this is not us 1 4, 7 and 10 is us everything else is secondary which revolves around you as life comes and goes all other axes depict what attachments and detachments we have towards different areas of our life that's all it is they are less significant in terms of Rahu in Ketu when compared to 1, 7, 4 and 10 axis of Rahu in Ketu. Please remember this. When you are evaluating, you just have more propensity towards one part of life and less towards others. Rahu is attachment, Ketu is detachment. Rahu is expansion, Ketu is reduction and they stand opposite to each other All this, right? Now let's take the cases one by one. Now, let us take the first axis and we'll begin with the fourth Pada in Ashwini Nakshatra. In Aries, we'll begin with Rahu in Aries and we'll rotate this axis as you see in the pie chart counterclockwise till we finish this entire series. One Pada at a time. So, it's going to be a long set of parts here. Okay. So, if you're seeing this in the series somewhere in the in-between, you can see for your Rahu-Ketu axis and which nakshatra, which house, etc. they fall in. You can directly fast forward to that area, okay? But I'll be covering some basics in every one of them just for benefit of everyone. But you can fast forward and check this. Right. Rahu in Aries and Ketu in Libra. First of all, let us see what Aries is. Aries is ruled by Mars. It is Rajasic, movable and a male sign. And so is Libra, Rajasic, Movable and Male sign, opposite to each other, 1 and 7. The sign number 1 and sign number 7, right? So, what do we first look for? We look for the solar aspect, the dispositor. Rahu's dispositor, in this case being in Aries, is Mars. Ketu's dispositor, in this case being Libra, being Venus, okay? Different dispositors. So different kind of energies each one will face. Nakshatra part we will get to. But let's just see this table over there, which I will stick in everyone. The table shows the ascendants. All the ascendants are covered there. And the friendly houses, enemy houses and the neutral houses based on rulership. The rulers of each one are opposed to each other. You can see exaltation, debilitation series if you are not clear about this. okay. So within Aries, Aries and Scorpio are friendly to Leo, Cancer, Sagittarius and Pisces houses wherever they fall in. Gemini and Virgo, because it is ruled by Mercury, it's uncomfortable in. So if the Mars, which is the dispositor of Rahu in this particular case, if it falls in the house of Gemini and Virgo, depending upon whichever ascendant you are, right? Those are the houses of Mercury, so it will be opposed to it. This will go to the downside of Rahu Ketu, which we saw in the earlier slides. If you want to go to the positive aspects, Mars does very well in fire signs, Leo and Sagittarius, for example, or even Aries, right? It does very well in that. It will also do very well in air signs. It will do well in uh, Libra. It will do well in Aquarius. It will do well in which is the other one we are missing here. It says Gemini because fire and air support each other. Okay, In water, it kind of tends to get subdued and go internal. It doesn't go extinguished. It just goes internal. Yeah, In Scorpio, for example, it's a water sign rolled by Mars. Right? Okay, so what happens here in this Rahu-Ketu axis? It's the last pada of um, Ashwini Nakshatra. We are starting from last and going to the first, okay? So it transcends from Aries to Cancer in Navamsha. I have marked the line over there in the table. And it goes to Swati in the Arthapada, which goes from air to earth. You have to follow me quickly here, yeah? All the previous videos will give you a background. So it goes from Aries to Cancer in Navamsha, and that axis is going towards in Ketu, Libra to Capricorns. So what happens with this individual's life through life, is it starts off in a very fiery manner and with a lot of mental energy. Detachment from mental energy but wanting like Aries, like initiator. This person is a powerful initiator in the beginning phases of life. As they mature over 36, what will happen is they go. Rahu here will want more of an emotional connect coming down to Cancer. Cancer is a water sign. So it wants to have an emotional connect with things. And on the detachment part, the Ketu part, you can see the Ketu characteristics, it will want more detachment from earthly aspects. Capricorn is an earthly movable sign. So it wants detachment from that. It is not so much concerned with earthly aspects. It is more concerned with deriving the emotional content out of the experience of life. This is just the fourth pada of Ashwini Nakshatra. Now let's see the third pada. Now we come to the third Pada of Ashwini, which is shown over there in the table, which is going from Aries to Gemini, so it's going from fire to air in the Navamsha. And the Rahu there is linked to Ketu on Swati Nakshatra, which is going into Dharma Pada, the first one, Libra going into Sagittarius. So fire going into air and air going into fire. So there is a lot of movement here, both zodiacs being rajas movable and male signs. There is a lot of activity in this particular Rahu Ketu axis. Very important to find some kind of a grounding for them. Okay. They require some earth element here, which is missing. So they can be highly, this Rahu Ketu can be highly erratic in nature. Okay. Moving from lots of ideas, lots of creativity, lots of passion and going into mental energy and getting detachment from how to ground that wisdom. Sagittarius is the ninth house, it is grounding. It is not grounding that energy enough in terms of wisdom. It is wanting to go more into a mental plane later on in life. They start with the fire, but they go into air sign. So they become more of thinkers kind of mentality. Very difficult to ground the thinkers, isn't it? But this is what this Rahu Ketu axis will provide. And of course, we got to see the dispositors, where the Mars is and where the Venus is. will show you where this person's creativity and drive really lies and whether Mars or Venus are exalted and debilitated. Look at the table over there. Mars and Venus can be exalted and debilitated in different signs like that in the table. So compare this. Okay. Now let's see the second pada. Now you see the second Pada, Rahu Ketu axis in that Paya over there. In the second Pada what happens in Ashwini and which leads to the fourth Pada of Chitra Nakshatra. Now we have changed the Nakshatras. See there it's coming in Chitra Nakshatra in the fourth Pada. So what does this mean? Chitra Nakshatra is about creativity on the one side, high degree of creativity. It's a style architect, Vishwakarma. And Ashwini is represented by the horse-headed twins who are the initiators, the proper Aries here. And now we also come to the Gandanta point, the transformation points. You can see the uh, Gandanta, the point of transformation video of mine earlier in this, in my channel, right? So the second Pada, the first Pada of uh, Ashwini and the fourth and third Pada of Revati, these are the transformational points. So for Rahu and Ketu, this becomes a highly transformational point in life, okay, through life. Why is that? Because it's going from Artha, Artha Pada of Ashwini, going from Aries to Taurus. That means air going into Earth later in life, meaning they are becoming more and more grounded through life on the one hand. And in the opposite side, they are going, getting detachment, the moksha sign. They want to get detached from everything. They want to just distill it to the emotional content of whatever they have learned. Okay, Libra going into Scorpio, highly internal, Ketu does very well in Scorpio. So Ketu here goes into Scorpio in the Navamsha, and Rahu goes into Taurus in the Navamsha, which are exactly opposite ways of functioning. Rahu is very exalted in Taurus. And Ketu is very exalted in Scorpio. <clears throat> so on the one hand, they have this push and pull drive between extreme amount of materialism to extreme amount of spirituality and detachment. This is that push and pull. Remember, Rahu and Ketu is all about push and pull of the energies, your drive. What is it leading you to? What do you want on one hand and what are you what are you running away from on another hand? That's what Rahu Ketu teaches in life. Now let's get into the next Gandanda point, the first pada of Ashwini, the highest exaltation of Ashwini because it's Aries meeting Aries and in Chitra it meets Libra also. Very interesting Gandanda point because that's the beginning of all the zodiacs. Right, now the first pada of Aries is, as you can see in the table, Dharma pada which is going Aries to Aries. It leads to the right opposite sign is the Kamapada or Libra going into Libra. So this is called Vargottama or the same sign going into the same sign in Navamsha. Basically, which means the energy of Aries is very strong and the energy of Libra is also very strong in this. Which means to say what? You have to pay close attention to the dispositors in this case where Mars is situated in the horoscope, whether Mars is exalted or debilitated, you can see my earlier video on that, where the Venus is placed and where it is exalted or debilitated in both the birth chart and in the Navamsha. So you need to know the kind of progression of maturity of this Rahu and Ketu through life. That's what we are looking at. When we are looking at Rahu and Ketu, And I shall close with this, is what we are understanding is how a person is maturing in their desires, drives, intelligence, basically spiritual maturity, isn't it? That's what we are looking for here. So ladies and gentlemen, that's my take on Ashwini Swati Chitra. Next, we shall be taking Revati Nakshatra because we are going counterclockwise. Rahu and Ketu move opposite to all the other planets so it is going counterclockwise we'll take the ray with the next in the meantime take care be safe